Welcome back to another Noorain episode. Um, as always, I am Asil and this is Samaya. And today we're going to talk about um, just what it means to have a righteous family, um, marrying outside of the faith, th- those kinds of things and our opinions on it. Um, so Samaya originally came up with this idea, so I'm going to pass the baton over to her. And then, yeah, we'll go from there. <laughs> yeah, so like Asil mentioned... This is something that, for some reason, Asid and I have been talking about a lot. Like, it's been coming up in conversation um, a lot. And so, just to give you guys a little bit of, like, um, a little bit of background, we wanted to do an episode talking about the importance of having a righteous family in this in this life, right? So that you, you're able to reunite with them in Jannah. Um, and we've touched on this a little bit with our moms in that insights episode. Um, so they give a little bit of like tips um, on how they've like raised a you know alhamdulillah righteous family. We also talked about it a little bit with our brothers um, on that insights episode. So those are two really really awesome episodes. I would highly recommend going back to listen. Um, but today we wanted to start off talking about this idea of interfaith marriage so i know it's a little bit it could be very um interesting maybe to some of you who are listening because uh if you don't know asina and i are not married (laughs) or anything like that um but we've been seeing a lot of situations on social media a lot of this like interfaith content and not even just that we've also seen it um in a prohibited sense also when we see you know we have like muslim guys nowadays who are like dating these non-muslim mm-hmm. girls or who are preferring these non-muslim girls over the muslim girls so we, we just want to kind of get into a discussion about sort of all of that um mm-hmm. today so <clears throat> i think what really inspired this conversation i during ramadan we we went out for iftar and i yeah i, mean, like, I kind of brought this up <laughs> Um, but there's this one interfaith couple on Instagram, mm-hmm. and they're actually really cute. Like, like they I don't are even cute. want to like say anything. It's like a Muslim man, and from from what we can see, he seems like he's well practicing. Um, and then a Christian lady, she's very practicing because most of her content on her page is like about Christianity, going to church, you know, all mm-hmm. these things that she believes about her faith. So, um, just as a little. Um, I don't want to say background again because I just said that. But in Islam, it is permissible for Muslim men to marry um, non-Muslim women as long as they are considered Ahlul Kitab or the people of the book. So that Mm -hmm. means that the woman has to be either Muslim, Christian, or Jewish. Um, And we we talked about this, I think, in our Be a Stranger episode, like very, very lightly. We touched on it. Um, But let's let's start with that. So why in Islam is it, like, okay for for Muslim men to marry non-Muslim women, but, like, not the other way around. Like, what is, what is your thought? Okay, um, so from a non-scholarly standpoint, before I get into answering that question, I guess, um, I just want to clarify that Muslim men can marry outside of the faith, Muslim women cannot. Right. And from what I understand, the reason being behind that is because just thinking about the structure of a, of, a, of a marriage in general, right? The man is supposed to be the caretaker of that woman. He's supposed to, you know, take care of her, make sure like her money, I mean, his money is her money kind of situation and her money is her own money. So I think it goes down to the morals and ethics of the situation and the foundation, right? If a, if a Muslim man is a caretaker of that non-Muslim woman, that's fine. But if a non-Muslim woman is trying to find someone who might not have those same morals. He might not take care of her as well as a Muslim man might. Because mm. in Islam, there are guidelines and rulings as to what the rights of a woman has in a marriage, right. you know? Um, and so a Muslim man can can give his non-Muslim wife those rights. But typically, in a relationship, the man is kind of like the... I don't want to say the more dominant one, but at the same time, like... Well, in Islam, that's how we yeah, see it. Yeah, that's... It's not, exactly. It's not like a submission kind of thing where no. you're, like, subservient He's just supposed to, to be the caretaker, husband. yeah. Right. So, I think, <clears throat> just again, from my standpoint as just someone who briefly knows about this... Um, it's more of that, like, if you were to marry a non-Muslim man, you can't guarantee that he has those same um, 
uh, foundation and ethics in his in his mind, you know. Or that he's gonna it's feel full, like he has to uphold those yeah, rights to you and take care of you the way that your religion um, intends for you. I guess I don't yeah. know if that's a good answer or not. Yeah, no, but I, I I do like that. Yeah, I think for me, I, I agree. I think that. Um, like Asid was saying, like, in the Qur'an, it says that the men are supposed to be the caretakers of the women. But it's not even just that. Like, for me, from what I from what I understand, from what I've, you know, learned about this, again, not not extensively at all, but I feel like after this, I'm really going to want to, like... I'm going to actually look, look into yeah. it now, yeah. Um, but the man is supposed to be the man of the house. Yes. Right? So, you know, of course, in a marriage, you're supposed to be making decisions with your wife, and you're supposed to treat her as your equal, all that all that stuff. But it's, it's really supposed to be kind of like the man is, like, he's the man of the house. Like, I don't mm-hmm. want to say he's the ultimate, like, you know, be all, whatever. Like, he's it's not always, like, what he says goes and that's it. But that's the model that it kind of, like, yeah. leans towards, yeah. you know? And so... From from what I think, it's it's like, you know, as a Muslim man, you're marrying outside of the faith. When you have children, because here's the thing. It's like a marriage is not just what you want for yourself. Like, yes, yeah. you should be seeking for a partner, obviously, that you want and that you like because that's going to be your partner. But I saw this quote on Instagram, and I'll never forget it. It's like, you can pick your spouse, but you're, you can't you're, pick the father of your yeah, kids. You're, you, um, your kids can't pick their parent, whether that's their yeah. mother or their father. So when you're... Searching for a spouse, it's not just my wife or my husband. It's like, this is going to be the future father or mother of my children. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'm losing my voice. <laughs> so I think that, you know, when a father has a particular set of morals, um, then the children are more likely to follow in that, in those footsteps. That's what it should be. Yeah, right? I was going to say, like, unfortunately, just because I have had... Um, family members like men in my family that have married outside of the faith and they always say oh yeah no we're gonna raise them on the uh, on islam and this and that and that's not usually how it goes so unfortunately it's supposed to be that you know the children follow in the footsteps of their father in terms of the religion and faith when you do have these interfaith marriages Mm -hmm. but the reality of the situation is that's not what's gonna happen you might compromise at the beginning and then you slowly see that 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 faith isn't being taught at all and like i have like a good four or five men in my family that have married outside of the faith and they have all ended up in this um this situation I guess either the man also converts or the man is still kind of practicing uh, but their kids know nothing about Islam right or there is there is one instance in my family where I will say that it's a pretty good balance mm. but it's also confusing for the kids yeah, I mean imagine absolutely. and I think this is something that Samaya is definitely going to go into later so I'm not going to like go into it too much right now but Imagine being raised where your parents, both your mother and father, have completely different ideologies about something. Yeah. You know, Christians believe in, like, the Trinity, and us Muslims, it says in the Quran, it's not, you know, not a thing. Right. Um, and all of these things, or just, you know, Jesus is the Lord and Savior, but then in Islam, like, Jesus is a prophet only, and just, you know. So, it's just kind of like this whole, like, what what is a kid supposed to believe? And right. in the end, chances are that kid's just not going to go for either one. Yeah, you know, or they'll just go to the one that seems easier, which is in this day and age Christianity, because or it's whatever the other or faith or whatever the other fa- faith is. It doesn't have to just be yeah. Right. It can be Buddhism. It can be whatever you know. Um, but well, actually, it's not even supposed to be. That's another thing that I want. Right. But um, besides the point, um, they're just gonna end up going with whatever's le- easier. And and unfortunately, in is not unfortunately, but in Islam we have rules that we do follow if you're a muslim you have to follow those rules right. versus other religions um you can just call yourself that religion you're like a secular christian or a secular jew or, or just whatever like jesus died for myself yeah so i'm, I'm good to go whatever yeah so these kids end up growing up confused you know and they don't know what to believe they don't know what's true or not and you know in the end it's just it's not going to amount to anything and i'm not going to say more because i know somebody <laughs> wants to get into it but yeah no i think i really like that you brought this up like um it is, it's so confusing for those children as well. Like, maybe if you're a grown man and you already have your ideals established and whatever, and this is a grown woman, she already has her ideals established, you're, you know, you're less likely to be swayed one direction or the other if you're actually really strong in your faith. But for children, like Asif said, who are seeing two completely different things and they're contradictory, it's like, what do you believe? So, I even, like, kids, like, at school where they'll have, like, say, yeah. one Jewish parent or one Christian parent and they celebrate Hanukkah and Christmas. And it's kind of like... 
what those are like contradictory right but that's the thing is that it's it's the religion it doesn't even matter to these people anymore it's just so secular it's like holidays and that's it yeah um so that's another issue that we come across is that these muslim men okay it's permissible for you to marry outside of the faith if she's jewish or christian but she's probably probably not practicing you know? And that's the thing. Part of being Ahlul Kitab means you are a practicing Jew. You are a practicing Christian, right? Um, but people just like, oh, she's, she says she's Christian, so, you know. Yeah. Or, you know, or, it's like affiliated. And, and that's not really the case. you know. Or people will take it the other way or they'll completely ignore the, the people of the book part of the equation. And mm. we'll just go and marry any girl. Right? Atheist, or, atheist yeah. or just whoever, regardless of their or Buddhist, Hindu, like, you know, I, we've seen that, you know, mm-hmm. I've seen that. Um, and it's really, it's so saddening to see, especially, this is another top point that we're going to get into later, but especially for us Muslim girls, it's like, okay, you guys are running after these girls, but what about us, you know? And we've yeah. said this in another episode. Yeah, I don't, have. I don't remember <laughs> which one, but it's like, y'all are running after them. Like, what are we supposed to, you know? Yeah. Like, who's left for us? So, and that's something I'm really stuck on is just like, you guys, like, and there's actually a, um, so one of the caliphs, uh, I think it was Omar ibn Khattab, he, when he was ruling, he was saying that people who were working with him, like in his like government or whatever, mm-hmm. cannot, like he, it's, he didn't state that you're not, you're, it's completely forbidden to marry outside of the faith. But he said, if you're going to work with me, you have to marry a Muslim woman, mm-hmm. you know, and that obviously sparks some debate and stuff because it's like, oh, that's going against the Sharia and all of these things. And I'm not a scholar, I want to be, but I'm not one. So I'm not going to go into that. But even his reasoning behind it was like, who's going to take care of our Muslim women? They are our Muslim women. They are our women. We have to take care of them. So he's like, if you're going to work with me, in my govern in my government under me you have to you have to marry a muslim woman if not then that's fine you can do that it's, i'm not saying that it's it's right. haram it's not but you can't work with me right? right so he even gave that incentive to his people that were working with him at the time was like yeah. you know we need to take care of our women yeah. and i really wish that dudes these days would actually see that you know yeah. because the reality is more less and less people are actually seeing it that way and i was just talking to someone about this the other day about the prophet muhammad as i said and this is kind of a little bit of a tangent but Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, like, he married nine wives. And a lot of people that are not Muslim like to kind of use this argument and be like, oh, he was all these... No. The reason why he married this this many women, he wasn't just marrying them because of, like, he just wanted to marry these women. It wasn't, like, a lust thing. It was because these women needed someone to take care yes. of them. They were widows. Mm-hmm. Um, all these things, they needed someone to take care of them. And we've touched on this before, but back in the day, like, they would marry women who were divorced, who were widowed, because mm-hmm. they needed someone to take care of them. Yeah. You know, like, we don't have that anymore. Because at the time, like, historically speaking, at the time, it was dangerous to be alone. Mm-hmm. You know, it was dangerous to not be married. That's why they would get married young. That's why, they, you Sumaya said, like, they, there was no taboo behind marrying a divorced woman. Right. You know, there was no taboo behind marrying a widow. But these days, like, oh, you've been used. Like, mm-hmm. next, or, oh, you have kids. Like, that's not my responsibility. They're your kids. You know? Right. Like, that's not... That's not the way it's supposed to be. Exactly. It's not even just that they felt like they had to take care of these women. It was a burden. No, it was it was, the, a, it was out of a place of genuine, like, we need yeah. these women to be taken care of. The Arabs you know? back then were extremely noble people. And, and it was part of their culture. Like, yeah. You know? you know, when Islam was introduced into a society where women didn't have any rights, you know, right. they men especially worked hard to make sure that those women were given those rights. Yeah. You know, back, before Islam, like the pre-Islamic era, I mean, uh, Little girls were born, were were um, buried alive, right. you know, and then Islam was introduced and gave women these rights upon rights upon rights, thousands of years before anyone else, anywhere else in the world. Absolutely, women were given these rights, and part of these rights are these marriage rights, you know. And now, this day and age, okay, us women in society, we have a lot more rights, but it seems like people are forgetting the religious rights that we do have. People yeah. are choosing to ignore them and yes. are just focusing on their rights. And I feel like that's selfish in a way. Mm-hmm. Like when these men go, like I'm not saying it's selfish to go marry like someone outside of your faith. But at right. the same time, your women are part of your community. They have the same belief system as you. They want what's best for your future family, right? Mm-hmm. Why are you going to go and go for someone that has a completely different belief system as you? And I, this is something I want to get into later. Yes. But I think the foundation of a, of a good marriage, right, and a good righteous family is having a solid foundation where yeah. all beliefs align, you know, all uh, levels of faith align, you know? Yeah. And you can help each other through your strengths and weaknesses. Absolutely. But 
like going and marrying someone that has a completely different belief system as you it's it's not it's not only going to help build you up you're going to stay right where you are or you're going to fall lower right and then for that person right it's going to be the same thing and your marriage is i mean religion is going to become a taboo topic whenever you guys are talking and this and that because you know that you guys disagree you know it's like I don't know. It's just so frustrating sometimes to see. Yeah, and so just to kind of, like, go back, like, what Asin was kind of saying before, like, yes, we see these men, again, it's permissible for them to marry outside of the faith, but a lot of the time, either they end up just becoming less religious, or they were never really that religious to start with, but they end up becoming less religious, or they completely just stop practicing, or they start practicing the faith of their wife. Yeah. And so... That's not really supposed to happen. Like, again, like I said, the man is supposed to be that strong pillar for the Mm -hmm. household, the man of the household. So he's supposed to stay strong. And that's why, honestly, that's why I think it was made permissible, you know, Mm -hmm. or at least part of the reason. I can't say that it was the whole reason. Um, But nowadays we're just seeing it. It's completely straying from that point because these men can't even stay true to their own faith. And then going back to the whole kids thing, because this is something that I was telling Asita too, because I was like, this is so crazy, but... Like, imagine, for example, being a, as a daughter, right? Mm-hmm. As a daughter, we we tend to really look up to our mothers, and we mm-hmm. tend to have, like, a closer relationship to our mothers than to our fathers, or a more open relationship, right? Mm-hmm. So, if you have a Muslim dad and a non-Muslim mom, right, your, your mother probably goes out wearing shorts or you know more more immodest clothing let's say though your dad is a muslim and he has these modest ideals i honestly personally i don't believe that you as a father who chose to marry outside of the religion can even tell your daughter you know like you need to start wearing more modest clothes if her mom isn't even doing that yeah because how are you going to tell your daughter do something that your own wife isn't even doing yeah it's like hypocritical you can you can tell her Mm -hmm. you can tell her all you want as a father you have every right to tell your kids whatever you want i mean as long as it's not like abusive or anything like that like you have the right to do that but why why would she listen to you if her own mother isn't even doing any of these things do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. that's the kind of conflict that it creates. Yeah. Because if you if your dad is telling you, oh, you can't wear shorts, but your mom is out here wearing, like, bikinis to the beach, like, wh- what why, are why you don't you do say? that? Why exactly. don't you, you know? And, like, wearing modest clothing is hard. A lot yeah. of... A, part of Islam and being a true righteous Muslim is you have to go through those struggles in order mm-hmm. to for Allah's pleasure, right? But if you raise your child without them fully understanding that concept, they're just going to want to go what's, what, what's easier. And honestly, speaking from clear like experience going out with shorts is probably way easier than going Mm -hmm. out in like a sundress and a hijab and layers and layers Mm -hmm. you know or just modest clothing in general so that's just going to cause conflict not only in your marriage but in your relationship with your child your child is going to it's going to become more strained than it already is and resentful and or you're going to do things they're going to do things behind your back and this and that or or it's going to go a completely different way where you're just like whatever you know like honestly it's whatever and that's, and that's wrong on your see. part yeah because that, that and that's 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 sinful on your part because you're supposed to you're supposed to encourage your children to do what's right right but if you're not even going to do that because you don't want to cause problems within the family or because like what why would she follow your example exactly, if her if mom, mom is, is doing because this. honestly like if my mom is doing something then i'm, I'm gonna perfectly do it okay with mm-hmm. doing it you know what i mean yeah because i have that level of I know my mom is a righteous woman, and if she's okay with doing something, then I'm perfectly okay with doing yeah. the same thing. <laughs> no, I definitely understand that because, like Samaya said, you know, as daughters, we look up more towards our mothers mm-hmm. and we're more comfortable with them. You know, and the same thing is like, for example, um, wanting to have a boyfriend. Your mom can say yes because exactly. she's Christian or say, she's right. she's non-Muslim, right? And she's probably had many boyfriends in, in the, the past, past before she got to your dad, right? But then your dad is like, "No, stuck for Allah. You can't do that. You know boys until you're 33 like <laughs> like We're joking you know? everybody. No, not <laughs> no, 33. Not like <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just I'm just m- messing around. But what I mean is in Islam we don't date. Mm-hmm. So if your dad is a true Muslim on the inside, right? He's going to be strongly against you having a boyfriend. But let's be honest, all of us as teenagers want that, Mm -hmm. you know? So, and if your mom says yes and your dad says no, it's going to become this whole issue. Right. You know, this whole dilemma. And that's just so much of a headache. Like, why would you even want that? It's very, very difficult. And then I think what we typically end up seeing, because I have many examples in my head of people who I've seen, like, Muslim man marries a non-Muslim woman or even, like, a, a Muslim woman who converted. And this is, of course, this is not a case for every single person. Mm-mm. I'm just saying what I've seen yeah. certain cases. Um, but what, what ends up happening is that the father just, like, kind of just doesn't care anymore. He's like, you know, you guys exactly. do whatever you want. And that's wrong because, okay, like Asil kind of mentioned a little bit or touched on a little bit earlier, 
is for me, honestly, like, yes, I strive to be a very successful person in this life. And of course, in the next, I want, you know, academic success, career success, all of these things. But I would honestly consider my life like the ultimate success if I am able to have children and raise them on the faith and that they end up becoming righteous kids. Mm -hmm. Like that, that's the legacy I want to leave behind in the world. Mm -hmm. Like that's the most important thing to me, honestly. Like if I have children one day and child, like I want to make sure that they are raised well and that they can carry the faith with them wherever they go and that they're strong in their, in their, in their Islamic identity. And so when I, inshallah, like start, you know, looking for a man, um, that's the kind of person I want, someone who can help me raise my kids in that way. Yeah. You know? So I feel like for you as a, as a person to just, and even, even as Muslims, because there's a lot of Muslim couples that they don't even care how their kids turn out. So this is not even just like an interfaith marriage thing, but I feel like a lot of parents or a lot of parents-to-be or whatever, they need to start thinking more about, like, how are my kids going to turn out? How are my kids going to be impacted by the choice that I'm making in marrying this person or marrying this person? Mm-hmm. And then as, you know, as someone who's in an, who is in an interfaith marriage, like, don't you want your kids in heaven? And that's going to bring me into the back to the couple that I was talking about at yes. the beginning. So I was scrolling through her, um, through her Instagram feed um and she had like a reel or something basically where she was answering a question that some like you know had been commented on her post or whatever about like what are your kids going to be cuz she's she's christian he's practicing muslim whatever um and she basically said that she she's choosing not to answer this question publicly she's like me and my husband have talked about this whatever but i was reading through the comments cuz i was really interested to see what the <laughs> comments had to say and one of the people one of the people commented they're like well this is actually a really important thing to 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 like talk about because this is the difference between your kids going to heaven and your kids going to hell and yeah. i was like oh my god and i remember <laughs> i remember when samaya i'm not even gonna go into anything else because i know she wants to say it but i remember when samaya told me that i was like whoa because i've never thought of right, it that way neither. but like honestly that terrified me in the moment <laughs> exactly. and it made me like really worried for these kids but anyway go on but yeah like i was just like she told me and i was like I never thought about it that way because yeah, it's permissible in Islam, right? But but the consequences, you know, yeah. the consequences of that. And to you go ahead now. Cause yeah, it is. It's it's really crazy because I had never thought about it that way either. It's like, you know, inshallah. Like okay, again, it's not a guarantee. Even if you're two Muslim people, Muslim wife, Muslim husband, it's not a guarantee that your kids are going to turn out to be amazing. You know, we've also seen many cases where there is, you know, both Muslim parents. But they end up raising, you know, maybe they raise the kids in the same way, but one or, or a couple of these kids stray. And, and that's their own choice, obviously, later on in life. So even if it's a Muslim couple, there's no guarantee that their kids are 100% going to Jannah. Like, yeah, we're 100%. not saying yeah. that. But it's more likely when you have these role models as your parents that you're going to follow in their footsteps. So it's yeah. more likely for your kids to choose to do the right thing if you've raised them that way. So then the issue comes about, like we were talking about earlier, when you have two different ideologies, uh, two different examples, two different role models. And then what happens if, as, as a Muslim man, this is something like, if we have any like Muslim guy followers, like think about this, but um, if you really choose to marry outside of your faith, like you're really risking your kids just following in the footsteps of their mother. And then yeah. that's on you that your kids aren't in Jannah. Yeah. Because, and this is a really hard thing to even say, but it's, and it's hard to hear, I'm sure, but, like, if, 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 if a woman, or not even a woman, if, if someone is not, does not believe in Islam, one God, and that Prophet is the last messenger, like, they're, we know that they're not, we know their fate. They're not yeah. going to heaven, and that's really hard to hear, but it's like, do you want your, your kids to just, have that as their example and to just yeah. follow in the footsteps and they might not but let me you know yeah like it's so hard i don't i just thought of this while you were talking but it, like you want your child to be successful in the school right yeah like for example like academically so you can help them study for their tests mm. you're going to help them prepare for that test raising your child right is preparing them for the test for that trial when they're the asked those questions test, in right. the grave right you want them to be able to ace those questions the way that you would want them to be able to ace a math exam Right? right? Just think of that that way. In this world, if you want your child to be successful, you will do everything in your power to make sure your child is successful. Well, if you're a true Muslim and you really do believe in the akhirah and you really do believe in these things, right? 
Um, you want them to pass the ultimate test. So you have to prepare them. That's what that's what raising a kid is all about, is preparing them for that final test. Because every single day that we're living, we're just getting closer and closer to dying. We're right. just getting closer and closer to um, to the day of judgment. To meeting Allah. To meeting Allah, to having that ultimate test, right? So if you want to feel like you're a successful parent when it comes to your kids' academics or they're just their life in general, you're going to do everything you can to make sure that they ace everything, right? Yeah. If you really do care, if you really are invested in their right. futures... Same thing when it comes to religion. If you really, really want them to be, once they're put in that grave and they're asked those questions, you want them to be able to answer with, because remember, it's not going to be anything that you know. They might know that, oh yeah, there's one God and all of these things, right? But in the grave, you're answering with your heart, with your soul and what you truly believe. What you believe and what you act about. Exactly, on, on your belief. with your actions, right? So if you raise your kids wrong, when they're you're setting them up for failure. If you don't raise them on the religion, you're setting them up for failure. Like, I'm yeah. sorry, but that's just the reality of the case. Yeah, and I, I want to just say a quick disclaimer. Like, we are not shaming Mm -mm. anybody who is in an interfaith marriage or anything like that again we have no place because it's 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 not our right it's permissible so we're not shaming anyone it's simply that this is something that's been coming up a lot and i something that we wanted to to speak about um and something else quickly that i wanted to say is just like asil was saying like you know of course your kids they're gonna grow up to be their own people and so they make their own choices but if you didn't even try while you were raising them like their straying is honestly partly your fault if yes. not fully your fault you know what I mean I think um see I, I because the family experiences that I have seen I don't want to say it's partly your fault because it can be like one out of the four that ends up going astray yeah because I think that well that's, if, but that's the difference because they actually put in the effort to for the rest of them kids. yes so you I think that I mean? it depends on the circumstance yeah so but for the majority of the times, yes, you have to take fault for your actions, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, if you don't watch, even not realizing who your kids are hanging around, that's also partly your fault because they can be influenced by other people around them. It's not just what's going on inside your homes. Or you never pray. You never tell your kids to pray. Yeah, that's like, that's definitely partly your fault. Do you but know what I mean? Anyway, yeah, I just want to give that disclaimer that yeah. it's not always like that, but it's the majority of the time, yes. Right, because even I have family who, you know, and, and you can't help but feel so bad for these people yeah. where, like, both of their parents are, they claim to be Muslim. They never really practice, you know. So you can't even expect their kids to practice. If the parents aren't practicing, why would the kids be practicing? Exactly. And then that way, and then I, I feel so bad for these kids because it's like, it's not like, yes, at some point, again, you grow up, you have to choose the faith for yourself, but it's so much harder to choose something for yourself that you didn't grow up around, that you yes. didn't see being practiced by your own parents. So mm-hmm. you literally are setting your kids up for failure. Like, just like yeah. Asita was saying you know yeah and this is kind of a little tangent um we were talking about how yes we can't shame anyone because this is completely permissible Mm -hmm. and the reasons as to why it's permissible i'm going to be completely real with you guys i don't know and i'm not sure samaya knows Mm -hmm. either but i will say that there there's there is infinite wisdom behind everything in islam Right. right so for example there's nowhere in the quran that completely abolishes slavery right nowhere but it says it it's this is going to kind of introduce your next point but it's emphasized multiple times you know free your slaves if you do this free a slave you know free a slave and all of these things where or or um we have examples marry on yeah or marry um marry single women or marry like you know this and that or free a slave and all of these things um and it's mentioned several times throughout the quran and the reason why it couldn't be completely abolished i actually i i did some research on this um was because back then that's what this entire economy and society um kind of like it was the foundation of right you know and also slavery there wasn't like the slavery in like america like 200 something years ago yeah. um but like imagine if allah subhanahu wa ta'ala one day said okay all slaves are you the slavery is no longer a thing you know where are all these slaves that lived in these houses gonna go mm. you know so there was wisdom behind that that if if allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said you know we're gonna free all of the slaves then it would have caused like mayhem within the own economy and and community back then right to an extent, I, I I actually spoke to Imam John about this because I was genuinely curious, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the same thing comes to, to this whenever we're asking, well, why is this permissible in the first place if there are all of these consequences, consequences. and and like what can happen on the day of judgment, which I know Samaya wants to get to in a second. The answer is I don't know, but I'm sure that there is infinite wisdom there behind it. Is. There always there in there Islam, always is. there's always truth behind absolutely. everything, and, and, and sometimes we don't have to understand. We don't need to know why interfaith marriage is permissible. All we know is that it is permissible, but it's mentioned in the Quran certain things that are alluding that maybe, maybe you shouldn't do that. You know what I mean? And certain specifications like practicing. Yes, women, yes, there's specifics of, that you that need to pay attention stuff. to. Um, just also to tell you guys, there's a lot of noise around us right now. So I don't know I'm if they sorry can hear if it. Y'all can hear it. Um, but and then just to clarify, like slavery is 
haram, or, like, it's not... Oh, you're not supposed not, to have slaves. Yeah, yeah you're yeah. not supposed to have slaves, and we have a lot of examples, like, Abu Bakr, and he's freed Sweet a lot of slaves. slaves. Like, yeah, you're yeah. not... We don't condone slavery. No, 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 Islam no. doesn't condone slavery in It any. was just, like, it doesn't... It doesn't... Um, explicitly say abolish slavery but it gives so many other circumstances where it's basically it's alluding slavery is no good Mm -hmm. like do not do it Mm -hmm. you know but what I was trying to get at at that was there's a reason there's a wisdom behind why it doesn't say abolish slavery yeah because it would have it would have caused a disaster within the economy yeah the point is that there's always wisdom behind exactly exactly um so this is really the point where we were kind of trying to get to with this whole episode um I was already thinking a lot about this topic like I said we've we've had some discussions about this and then the other day I was going I've been going through the tafsir of Juz'ama which is the very last juz of the Quran Juz 30 um and I was just talking to my mom actually about this whole juz typically you know children when they start memorizing the Quran they start with Juz'ama because the surahs are much shorter Shorter. they're much smaller the ayahs the verses are much shorter easier Easier. to easier to memorize Mm -hmm. but now that i've been going through the tafsir of juz'ama it's so crazy because juz'ama as a whole this whole chapter of of, of the quran chapter or the juz i said just 30 it is literally a terrifying juz it literally just talks about the day of judgment what's going to happen on the day of judgment like it is a very terrifying it's very deep it's a very terrifying juz a very terrifying group of surahs Mm -hmm. and so it's just really funny how we always start with teaching our kids those um yeah (laughs) those surahs um Um, just for like background tafsir is like commentary or like um you know i guess like uh, analysis made by scholars that were kind of compiled so you actually understand the true the deeper meaning behind the actual verses or ayat that are in these right. um chapters in the quran so just so everyone's yeah. aware she was she was studying that yeah yes perfect okay. so um i was going through i was listening to yasser qadi's tafsir of juz'ama mm-hmm. and um we had gotten to surat al-inshiqaq um and in surat al-inshiqaq you know it starts talking about the people who receive their book in their right hand, which is, you know, a mm-hmm. sign of, you know, a good ending, versus the people who receive the, their books in their left hand. So, mm-hmm. starts off first talking about receiving your book in, in the right hand. Um, and essentially it says, you know, and I, I think it's Ayah 9 of Surah Al-Inshiqaq, it says, mm-hmm. which translates to, you know, when you receive your book in your right hand, you're going to rush back to your family in happiness like you're going to be so happy like look at this result that i got look at you know the i I passed the ultimate test and this just just goes right back to what asina was talking about earlier about when your child has an exam for school right like they're when they're when they get a good score like they come back to you and they're really happy about it Mm -hmm. you know like i've done that many times throughout these like past 13 years of education where you get a good grade and then you like run back to your family and you're like oh my gosh like look i got an a on this test whatever so this is the ultimate test. This life is the mm-hmm. ultimate test. And you want to be with your family on the day of judgment. You want to have your turn to run back to them and be like, look, like I passed this test. Mm-hmm. I made it. You want to be able to say that you made it together. Yeah. Right. And interestingly, a couple of ayahs after that, I think ayah 13, mm-hmm. um, and Surat al-Inshiqaq basically, uh, says kind of the opposite of that. Innahu kana fi ahlihi masrura. You know, he received his book in his left hand, which is a sign of a negative ending, negative consequence. You did not pass the test of this world. And it says that instead of running back to his family in happiness, it refers to the fact that he used to be happy with his family in this Mm -hmm. life. And that's the interesting thing is that he was happy in this life. He was complacent. He was content doing all the wrong things that he was doing. Um, But, and yes, Rafaadi said, like, this, this ayah basically just means that this is the only happiness that he's ever going to experience again. Yeah. Because he's going to hell. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, this is the only thing that he has to... That, that was the only happiness. Yeah. He used to be happy with his family, right? They used to do all these negative things together, but he's no he's not going to be happy anymore. Yeah. You know, there's no happiness left for him in, in the hereafter if, mm-hmm. he's, if, he's, if he failed the test and if he's going to Jehennem. And that's really terrifying to think about. So it's like... um. It's, it's just so crazy. I know, it gives then, me goosebumps every single time I read that. Literally, so. it's it's so scary. And so I made the connection because I was like, oh my gosh. In Surah Abasa, um, which is towards the beginning of Juz'ama, it's like the third Surah in Juz'ama, mm-hmm. um, 
it also talks about the day of judgment again like i said all of these suara pretty much talk about the day of judgment um guys there's like screaming children in the background just they're they're having fun you can't hear it but it's okay we don't really care because we're more we're a casual podcast yeah so in surat abasa allah also you know goes into talking about the day of judgment like i said that is a common theme in all of these um in all of these chapters in jazah amma but there's an ayah that says yawma yafiru al-mar'u min akhihi wa ummihi wa abihi wa sahibatihi wa bani you know it kind of just goes on that basically this is going to be the day that this disbeliever is running away from his brother and his parents and his friends running away from them and this is implying that essentially he's running away from them because they did not benefit him in this life and now these disbelievers are going around trying to basically sue people for their good deeds which means that if anyone wronged you in any way you're trying to go up to them and be, and be like let me get your good deeds because they don't have enough they don't have any in some cases right mm-hmm. so it's a complete contrast to the believing family the believing family on the day of judgment is going to be together mm-hmm. but the disbelieving family is going to be running away from each other so i texted to see this like whole reflection and at the end i was like so who do you want to be running towards on yeah. that? who who do you want to take your results and run to yeah and who like you you're not going to want anyone running away from you and you're not wanting you don't want to run away from anyone else yeah like that's 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 what it means like you have to be like striving to create this family for yourself and to be a part of a family like that because if not who are you going to run to Yeah. And you don't want anyone running away from you. Like imagine someone running away from you on the day. Like, that's so scary to think about. Cuz you were like the you have a family yeah. or whatever and they're running like and, and I just I I can't help but think like you know if you were a parent and you you know you were maybe Muslim but you're you didn't benefit your kids and maybe you were Muslim but you stayed strong like don't you want to run back to your wife? Yeah. Don't you want to run back to your kids but if they're not even there with you? Like now you make me cry. God. Like who are you running to? Yeah. So I think that's that's like something that we have to think about. Like that just um it really that made me think so hard. I was like, "Oh my gosh, because that's that's the reality on the day of judgment. The righteous family stays together. The disbelieving family is going to be running away from each other and they're going to be concerned about themselves only mm-hmm. and they're going to be trying to sue people for their good deeds because they need all the good deeds they can get. Mm-hmm. and they're running away from each other but the righteous family is running towards each other and celebrating with because one another because they know that they worship together in this life and now they get to celebrate their results together in the next life and they get to be in heaven together so who are you running to yeah and who's running away from you or who are you running away from man you don't, just gave me good yeah words. like don't surround yourself with people that you're going to be running away from yeah you know Dang. I don't even have a response to that because like oh my goodness because it's so true like you were always you know this um reminds me of something actually this was a really long lecture about Muslimana and I only got to listen to half of it but he was talking about how some Muslims are motivated by the idea of hell and some Muslims are motiva- motivated by the idea of jannah and heaven right. you know and that's why there's a relative balance in the Quran with verses vividly describing both of those mm-hmm. things you know and um even the sahaba was always like 50-50 some of them most of them were motiv- half of were motivated by hell the other half were motivated by heaven right and for me i am motivated by the idea of heaven mm-hmm. not even like i i some yes the idea of hell terrifies me i think you have to have a you have to have a balance here, exactly you know? but at the same time i want to spend an eternity with those that i love mm-hmm. and if those that i love in this world aren't going to be the ones that I'm running towards. Who am I going to be spending an eternity with? Am I going to exactly. be alone? Exactly. You know, imagine an eternity alone and you you're not even going to be able to remember the memories with these people because they weren't good memories that brought you together. You know, you're going to in inshallah if you, when you go to Jannah inshallah inshallah you're going to be with those that you serve the community with. Those those that strengthened your iman with. You know, you're going to remember all the good things that you did for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's sake. But if you mm-hmm. never had those memories to begin with in the first place? Yeah. You know, what is your what's your eternity going to look like? Yeah. Because heaven and hell, okay, you have to realize you really you need to if you don't know where to start, you don't know how to feel about all this, you really need to read the descriptions of heaven and hell. So you yes. get like somebody said that balance between fear and um hope. and hope, right? And then I think understanding that and seeing like like Samaya was was getting to like just the reality of your eternal future. 
that'll help you motivate you to make the right, right decision in terms of the people that you surround yourself with. Yeah. You know, like the idea that I could I could spend an eternity alone in hellfire terrifies me. Of course. But the idea that I could spend an eternity forever and ever with those that I love, like Sumaya and my parents and my family and all of these people, and where it's like constant happiness and bliss. Like take the happiest day of your life and multiply it by a million. Not That's even. Like, like, even more you unimaginable. Can't you can't even think, even about, that, it. think about it, right? But you know you get the pleasures of this world and everything in it and more and more and more and more like do you not want that Mm -hmm. you know so keep your eyes set on when it comes to choosing someone that you want to spend the rest of your life with keep your eyes set on those that are actually going to lead you to that someone that's going to help you build your way to that because you can't get to that eternal happiness or that level of eternal happiness if you just stay flat where you're at you need someone that's going to help you build that ladder so you can you can rise your way up. So inshallah, you can be there, you know? Yeah. And so I think that's something like for those that might be struggling, because I know it's easier to look at Muslim, I mean, non-Muslim girls that are showing their entire body and all of these things, you know, it's easier to interact with them because they're not as, they don't have the same, the same levels of modesty and things or, like right. that, you know, so it's easier to become friends with them. I understand that, right? But I think that if you can solidify yourself in your faith, in terms of your faith, and you keep your eyes set on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, everything else in the end, when you're going to be searching for things that remind you of Allah. Yes. You're going to be searching for those people that remind you of Allah because you love Allah more than anything else yes so before you go out and you're trying to find someone whether it's a non-muslim muslim or whatever you need to build your relationship with Allah to the point where everything that you see around you reminds you of him yes and in the end you're going to find yourself someone righteous you know inshallah if that's what's written for you yeah yeah and you know maybe you're going to marry or maybe it's it's a situation where you are going to marry like outside of your faith or maybe that person maybe that's the gateway for that person to become muslim you never Mm -hmm. know but you have to think of both sides of this equation you really do have to think about what samaya was talking about running towards those people and running away from others you know it's not um, just a quick fix it's I just not want this girl who's gonna, yeah and that's what we're seeing a lot of with with a lot of these guys is they just want whatever quick girl they can get easy girl you know like yeah. all these things like yeah um, i'm sure it's easier to marry outside of the faith just because like somebody said those, those boundaries aren't pretty much like not it's not the same. Like they it, don't course, girls like even boys that are not Muslim. Like there's no, oh no yeah, hundred percent. Even even though those that are Muslim now, unfortunately, uh, yeah. like, we're seeing that they're just completely lacking in boundaries. Yeah. Um, and then they see people that actually do try to enforce those boundaries and are, are trying to follow the right path and it's just like okay next you know roadblock let's yeah. just find someone that's like somebody said quick and easy yeah. and that's not the way it's supposed to be right you know and i want to even mention something that's slightly a little bit of a tangent but even um a lot of these men nowadays who are purposely like looking for okay a muslim girl but not hijabi oh we've talked about this and before, to yes. me that's we've touched on it but i think that it's so, like, honestly, what does that say about you? Yeah. Because if you are a man who wants to marry for the right reasons and wants a righteous wife and wants mm-hmm. to raise a righteous family and wants to be with your wife and Jenna, why are you, this is going to be hard to hear, why are mm-hmm. you searching for someone who is so blatantly sinning? Yeah. Okay? Yeah. We all sin. I'm not saying that I sin, a seed of sin, Definitely. every single one of us sins. I'm not saying that you're going to find someone who doesn't do that. You're not going to. That's completely unrealistic. But profit. why are you saying that you only want a woman who is sinning? That's like, honestly, that's like saying I want someone who doesn't pray. Yeah. Because the hijab is obligatory. It's equivalent. Just like the salah yeah. is equivalent. Like, I mean, it's, it's, it's obligatory. A, the two circumstances yes, are equivalent, like, yeah. Like, yes, I know salah is the most important thing. That's the most, that's the first thing you're going to be asked about on the day of judgment. But... That, why are you saying you want someone doing things that are haram, like so okayly, and who's who just yeah. like you know fully exposed in that way? Well, why are you specifying I only want you know, this woman and not the ones that are following the faith? And not only you know? that, but I feel like if you're looking for, say, you are looking for inside the faith, but like somebody said, you're looking for someone that's not a hijabi, that's someone that's that's showing her body to everybody. That says a lot about you because it shows what you're looking at. Mm-hmm. Like I said this, and I don't remember which episode honestly at this point. I think it's the Ramadan recap one. But like, we got too many episodes. <laughs> we're just becoming like super amazing like that. But um, I said this in my Ramadan recap episodes. Like, 
us girls that are looking for a righteous man, we're, we we see the red flags, you know, oh, they don't have boundaries. Okay, that's a red flag. Yeah. Oh, this is that. I feel like the same thing is if you're looking for a righteous husband, right, they're going to be looking at, oh, you know, she actually follows, she actually follows the correct hijab, you know, yeah. that's a green flag, right? So the people that are out there that are actually going to help you build in your faith, they're going to want you to cover yourself. They're going to want you yeah. to practice the religion. They're not going to want you to sin. They're going to want what's best exactly. for you because they want to run towards you on the day of judgment, like Samaya was saying. Right. Um, and so I just think like that in and of itself, if you're looking for a, for a girl and you, a, speci- a specification of, oh, she can't wear hijab, that means you need to evaluate. You shouldn't be looking for anyone. You should be looking within yourself. And you should <laughs> you be evaluating. You need eva- to find yourself. <laughs> yes. You need, to, you need to fix whatever's going on within yourself first because that should not be... That should not be, like, a criteria whatsoever. Exactly. If anything, it should be, I'm looking for a girl that covers her body. Yeah. I'm looking for someone that follows the hijab and that maintains it, that is doing this constant act of worship, mm-hmm. you know, constant act of da'wah. Everything, you know, about the hijab, she's constantly getting rewarded right. because she's wearing her hijab the way Allah SWT has, has decreed, you know? And again, not... this is not to say that hijabi women are in any oh, way no, 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 no. superior yeah. to non-hijabi women. I yeah. know that, you know, there are some hijabis that literally they're just wearing the hijab and that's Just that's because, it. yeah. You know, but there's other people that are not hijabis and they really Do are so way much better more. Muslims yeah. than these hijabis. But but as a general, you know, case, Rule of thumb, if yeah. you're, you know, wearing the hijab is definitely... It definitely signifies a different level of faith for for a lot of people, I will say. Unless you're forced into it and all of these things. There's so right. many circumstances. Is, yes. But Samaya and I, as just like two teenage girls in this casual podcast, right, we're just speaking from our own experiences. We both wear yeah. the hijab for the correct reasons, alhamdulillah. And inshallah always way. stays that <laughs> yeah. way, you know. But so we're just talking about how, you know, how we perceive the world. But right. like we said, this can differ from person to person to person. Right. You know, and, everyone, and that's that's what makes the world go around is all of these differences of opinions and things like right. that. Right, and everyone's like but, on their own journeys and stuff. And I'm not saying that, because here's the thing. The problem is, is when, I know, the problem is when you're searching specifically for non-hijabi. But like, if you happen to just be, you're looking, and yeah. you find a woman who's right, and she fine. doesn't wear hijab, like, okay, great, yeah. I'm not shaming that in any no, way. I'm no. just saying these men that are like, she can't be hijabi. I'm like, okay, nobody wants That means to you're looking at her body and no, nothing <laughs> yeah, else. Yeah, like that shows so, what you're yeah. attracted to. Like, you're attracted to a If sin. anything, that's a red flag for the girls you're that wear hijab to, exactly. for the right reasons, and, that, you know? and, you know, to kind of tie it into this whole episode, you know, for a lot of girls, you know, I think Essie and I can both relate, and we've talked about this so many times, because our moms and the important women in our life wore the hijab and are wearing the hijab, we wanted to do it. So mm-hmm. if you're if you're specifically going after these women who are not wearing hijab, think about what if I have a daughter in the future? Yeah. You know? You like, want her to do what's right. And then, if you if you yeah. want her to do what's right and you don't want her to be blatantly sinning like this, mm-hmm. and this and it's just such a big sin too, then you need to think about that. Yeah. Because honestly, we follow in our parents' footsteps a lot of the time. So knowing that that's the nature of humanity and that's the nature of kids and that's the nature of how we were everyone is brought up and they look you know your your parents are your biggest role models until a certain point if that's you know if you want your kids to have good role models you have to think about who is your spouse going to be and for yeah. what reason you and you know? have to think of those qualities that are important you know um because like we said like in islam if you are looking at the, you have to realize that your religiosity is what really plays the foundation for a healthy marriage and a healthy and a righteous family you know and what does a righteous family mean to me personally the way i see a righteous family as a family that can bond over islam you yeah, know a family absolutely. that can have healthy discussions about absolutely. the quran about the sunnah a, a, a family that can build each other up where others are are um where you may uh, well you may lack you know right. in, in terms of relationship and stuff you want someone who's like who's akhlaq way heavy on the scales because it's not just your 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 deeds that are weighed at the end of the day on the right. day of judgment right it's your character right and islam is a lifestyle right so if you want your character to weigh heavy you have to make sure that your lifestyle falls into that mm-hmm. you know because character and lifestyle go hand in hand that's what you should be looking for. You can't say, oh, but she's a good person. But no, but does she have that same religious belief system as you? Does she Does she feel that desire to worship God and love God just as much as you? Does she even believe in the same God as you? Like in terms of, like, in terms of, Ooh, like, that like was honestly. That a powerful question. <laughs> d- does she, these are the things that you need to be discussing before you go and say, I'm ready to get married. Because otherwise you're not ready, you know? Yeah, and I think the problem, this is a completely different tangent, too. We're just kind of getting on the marriage tangent today. This is a really long episode. <laughs> the problem is that a lot of people, they don't even follow the correct ways of Islamically getting married anymore. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, yeah. Just as a clarification, dating is completely haram in Islam. It's not okay. Yeah. It's prohibited. And this is not um, 
like a traditional no. mindset. No, no, this is this is fact. This is fact. No matter what anybody says, I know that you might see a lot of Muslims who do this. They're doing it wrong. Yeah. Okay. This is not. We're not. We're, we're not some extremist group Mm-mm. of people that believe this. It is absolutely false. You it's cannot explicitly explain it. So yes. many places. It's it's a it's a very explicit command. A very explicit ruling. There is hikmah behind it. We're not going to get into all that stuff. But the problem hikmah is means that people are falling in love before they're getting married. Mm-hmm. And in my personal opinion, knowing everything that I know about the way that Islam does things. I personally don't believe that you should fall in love with anybody before you marry them. I think you absolutely should admire certain things about them. Mm -hmm. You absolutely should love certain qualities in them. Because otherwise, why are you marrying them? You should look at this person and be like, I love how this man is so connected to the Quran. I love how this man mm-hmm. is always at the masjid. I love how this man is very involved in it. You, mm-hmm. you should love lots of, you know, things about them. You should love their character yeah. and their manners and all this stuff. But you should not be in love with the person. Because if you're in love with the person already... You're going to ignore all opinion, their faults. No, no, no. It's already... It means that you've been doing stuff hot on this whole time. I mean, not true. You know, true. because you can't love a person until you've seen everything. Literally yeah. everything. The good, the bad, the ugly. Until you've lived with them pretty yeah. much. Or you've spent so much time with them you've interacted you've been intimate with them on an emotional level on a mm-hmm. physical level all of that stuff is prohibited yeah but you're not falling in love with anybody unless you've done all of that you yeah. know what i mean and not only that i feel like falling in love before marriage means that you're not going to see any of that person's faults you're not going to see mm-hmm. because no one's perfect right yeah but when you fall in love with someone like i'm just only assuming over here but like you're not gonna you're you're just like oh they're perfect that's not the case you have to see what you're actually getting into because that person that you could have quote unquote fallen in love with could have been somebody completely different once you actually live with them and you spend exactly. all the time with them and that's another thing mm-hmm. like in the quran it says that all the time is that when you're committing a sin shaitan makes it that you know the devil makes it so desirable to mm-hmm. you until you've left that sin and then you realize you're like that wasn't even good like yeah. what in the world you know but in the moment it feels so amazing mm-hmm. feels like this is your forever person whatever and you know this is just examples but that's that was another little tangent i think i don't it's even, so, know, where to go I don't even know what we were talking about before this but oh yeah <sighs> but just you got to make sure that when you are looking for someone like you just you're looking for the right qualities in that person and it starts yeah. off with with their religiosity how high is their faith and all of these things and then yes. it can branch out into how do they treat their their sisters how do they treat their mothers the people around them and all of these things you know but if if you the starting point is or I guess vice versa for men, if the starting point is she doesn't even believe in the same God as you, then I feel like that in and of itself should be kind of like an eye-opener. You're like, okay, maybe, maybe I should find someone that actually has the same belief system as me. And again, just to summarize, it's not haram. It's very permissible. Oh, no, I said maybe. Right, as long as she's a practicing woman. But I think, you know, we all just have to really think about that scene on the Day of Judgment. Who are you running to? Who's running away from you? And that's... That's that's it. it. (laughs) all right i don't have our closing line i was about to (laughs) i have to do it every single time it's like my thing okay anything else no okay well thank you guys so much for listening um maybe next time you'll see us maybe we keep saying we keep saying i think i've said that since like the very first episode eventually you will eventually inshallah god willing when the time is right yeah we're not there yet but um yeah thank you guys so much for listening